Thanks, Jez. Let me pray. Father, give us an understanding of your purposes through your word by the power of your spirit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, at the, um, let's get my phone right here, at the final talk of our Belong series, as Johnny said, we've looked at Belong, your place in the family of God. We said, well, God is a relational God by his very nature, and therefore he calls us to belong, and he is sort of a, do- a belonging. He's an adoptive God, so it's a family belonging. He calls us as his sons and daughters to belong in his family. Then we looked at the fact that God's a gathering God. God's purpose has been to gather his people around him in peace and freedom. And the gathering is expressed as, in this day, as the body of Christ. God's gathered people, his church, are the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, fully equipped to do his work. Then we said, well, actually, as church, as people who belong to God, we actually belong to the day. We belong to the light. We belong with God, not with the darkness. And today we belong for eternity, for eternity with God, because God is the eternal God. And so there is, in this belonging, there is hope. We belong with hope. And we hope in our belonging as we are together. And that is absolutely necessary given the human condition. We need hope and we need to belong. We've just recently completed spiritual care training on Tuesday nights, encouraging people to be effective spiritual carers. And one of the issues that came up in that training is the importance for people with age, people, for anyone, to have a sense of belonging, particularly as their life changes so rapidly. Critical questions, who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? And why? These are basic spiritual questions. And they relate to belonging. See, if you can answer some of those questions, they give you a sense of purpose. And probably, hopefully, we say hope. Who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? And why? So let me give you an example. I am Fred Jones. I live in Malabar Street. That's who I am. That's where I come from. Actually, when I was young, I played rugby. I was a prop. And then, when I could no longer play rugby, I joined, I became a, a, a key player in the rugby club. I used to coach a team, and then I became secretary of the rugby club. And actually, rugby's been part of my whole life, my whole, part of me, my whole life. And so I belong with the rugby club and with rugby people. That gives me a sense of identity and purpose. Rugby's part of my life which is great and it's important. But the really tricky thing is how do you help such a person when incapacity strips away so much? They've got photos on their wall of their rugby days in their little room in their aged care facility. But they're not going to the rugby anymore. They're not able to. They're not even part of the club anymore. No one from the club's visiting them anymore because they haven't been at the club for five, seven, eight, ten years. And their world shrinks and shrinks 
so they can't even get out of bed without help, let alone stuck a stick of boil under their arm and charge headlong into a bunch of other burly blokes. How do you help them? And finally, ultimately, it ends in death. Where's rugby there? Maybe a jersey on the coffin? Some photos? Death is the complete and irreversible separation. It is the anti-belong statement. Yes, we try and hold on. Yes, we have our memories. We might even have memorials, but, but have you, I'm sure you have been one of those old churches and they have all, you may go there with weddings or whatever, and they've got lots of plaques on the wall. People who died in ships or fought in wars or people who served the church faithfully and passed away. What do they mean to that church today? How about we put a plaque here at Penno for the Lamb family or for Johnny? Because they're really an important part of our church, yes. And in 50 years' time, do you think anyone will care about the Lamb family when Evie's living in New Guinea and Lachlan's in Taramara? <laughs> no one's going to care in 50 years' time about the plaque for the Lamb family, as important as they are and dear as they are to us. Death strips it all away. They don't belong here anymore despite what the wall says. Which is really sad because we have so much need for belonging. It really is so important to our spirituality. And we have this life sentence which says futility. We don't belong. You know, I've been feeling it as I get older and perhaps as the world changes. I, I said to Anna a month or two ago, I said, I don't feel like I belong here anymore. I feel like society's changing so much, I just feel like I'm an, I'm an outsider and an alien which tends to happen to most people as they age. They said the same thing in the 60s, people who were 50. And then they said the same thing in the 70s, people who were 50. And the people who were 80 back in the 60s and 70s, they, they were gone. They knew they didn't belong anymore. And I'm saying it today. Is there any hope? Well, there's a 100% death rate. So perhaps not. See, if there is any hope, there is only hope in an eternal God. If there is an eternal God, that's the only place for ultimate hope. The God of the Bible, the creative, relational, adoptive, gathering God of the day is without question an eternal God. He is outside of time, outside of creation, yet Lord of creation and Lord of time. Psalm 90, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or brought forth, you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. Psalm 102, in the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. That's what we sang. They will wear out like a garment, like clothing you will change them, and they will be discarded, but you remain the same. 
and your years will never end. Revelation 1.8, the Lord says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the A and the Z, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty, Eternal God. Creator, self-existent, eternal, unchanging, life-giver, relational and holy. This God in a world of decay and separation is our only hope for belonging, for this yearning to belong. You see, we, as opposed to eternal God, are mortal man, mortal humanity. We're created, we're finite, we're dependent, we are, we're mortal. And the deeper reality of that truth is that we're cut off from God. We're separated from this source of eternal life and hope. Perhaps it's stated most succinctly in Romans chapter 6. For the wages of sin is death. We choose to live life without God, to rebel against his glory and majesty. We want, we want to go our own way. We want to do our own thing and we do that and die, for we are dependent on God. Indeed, death is a divine appointment. It's an outworking of the curse of our sin and our rebellion. Hebrews chapter 9, for it is appointed for man to die once and then face judgment. It's a divine appointment, a consequence of our rebellion. And that means that we all live with this deep frustration and this angst and this emptiness that we spend most of our lives trying to desperately deny the realities of life in its glory and wonder and death in its horror Ecclesiastes the writer says it so well I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race here's a burden he has made everything beautiful in its time he has also said eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. It's eternity in our hearts, this yearning for belonging that lasts, for relationship that doesn't end. And then we die and there is separation that we cannot reverse. See it in Psalm 39 that Jez read for us. David is amongst wicked people and he's trying to hold it together. He's trying desperately not to sin. He's trying desperately to control his tongues, his tongue and keep his mouth shut. And the tension is building and it's driving him nuts. And then eventually in verse 4 he says, he says, Lord, show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere hand's breadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone's but a breath, even those who seem secure. Whoops. Surely, I love this verse, everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush about, heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. 
in other words, we're all walking death. You jump on the train in the morning off to the city. Everyone's looking very busy. Everyone's very busy. Everyone's going to work. Some people look very important and you may not look quite as important or maybe you're one of the important looking ones and we're all very busy and we're on our phones and we're going to work and we're just phantoms. Waiting for the clock to tick and our number to come up. Mired by sin within, snared by all the sin without. Where is their hope? David says, but now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Save me from all my transgressions. Save me from this rebellion. Don't make me the scorn of fools. David's hope is that the eternal God would remove from him the threat of judgment, the wages of sin, the scourge of sin. He says it like this, Remove your scourge from me, Lord, for I'm overcome by the blow of your hand. When you rebuke and discipline anyone for their sin, well, Lord, here's what happens. The wages of sin is death. You consume their wealth like a moth. Surely everyone's but a breath. The frustration of mortal man. Our sin makes us, though we were created in God's image, mortal and subject to death. And ultimately, our sin hinders us from belonging with each other and with God forever. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Hear me prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for help. I'm desperate. Don't be deaf to my weeping. I dwell with you as a foreigner. I'm a stranger. I don't belong, just as like all my ancestors were. Look away from me, Lord, that I may enjoy life again before I depart and am no more. Lord, give me a sense of belonging, of security, of permanency, of eternity. Give me life, Lord. Well, God answers David's prayer. And God does it by crossing the divide. He breaches the separation. We don't cross the divide to God. God comes to us in our sin, in our rebellion, in our emptiness and our angst. The center of the joy and the mystery of the Bible story is this. Eternal God comes into our sin-choked, soaked and bleeding world as a mortal man. As someone just like you, sharing the anxiety and the struggles. Jesus, the Son of God, takes on human flesh and he is born as an infant to Mary, his mother, and placed in a cattle trough, a manger, fully human. He grows. Lewis is about to enter the room, just like that little boy is growing. So Jesus grew. Cells dividing. And he gets older, he ages, just like you and I are aging. And I think at 33... He looked like a man of 33. He didn't look like an 18-year-old. 
I can't back that up with scripture. But I can say this, just like us, he suffered in our world. The telomeres is at the end of his chromosomes with those cell divisions, they would have kept getting shorter and shorter and showing, therefore, as you age, signs of age, the, the, the DNA replication wouldn't have been perfect every single time and there would have been errors and things that make us get old and look old. He suffered like we did, yet without sin. And we know that he came as mortal man because when sinful, evil men came to kill him, they succeeded. He died. His body gave way to the ravages of scourging and crucifixion. Eternal God died as mortal man. The great hymn, Tis Mystery All, the immortal dies. Who can explore God's strange design? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? You see, eternal God as mortal man was in that moment working eternal life for his people, for those who come to him as Lord and put their faith in him and unite their life with his life and who turn from their sins. Well, the wages of sin is death and Jesus has paid the wage for them. Jesus paid the price and there is in Jesus forgiveness and a fresh start. Eternal God as mortal man the faithful, true Son of God was not conquered by death. Having paid the wage for his people, the Father raised the Son from the grave, and those who are united with him are united with him, not just in his death, but in his resurrection. They are promised, as Jesus had a new body, a new body, fit for a new age, fit for eternity. They are promised eternal life the life only God can give. By faith in Jesus through his resurrection, eternal God imparts to mortal man who is dead in their sins, eternal resurrection, life, and complete forgiveness of sin. See, let's finish that verse, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said in 2 Timothy 1, God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time by eternal God. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, through the good news of Jesus. Here is eternal love. Here is the opportunity for eternal belonging and eternal security and an eternal home in Jesus Christ. 
And so in Christ, through his death and resurrection, there's a remarkable transformation in that mortal man is born anew in Christ as eternal man, immortal man, immortal humanity. And that is what we call salvation. The deliverance from that angst, the deliverance from the finality and the frustration of not belonging, deliverance from our sin, that is the victory we have through our Lord Jesus Christ, eternal life. When you put your faith in Jesus, it's to come home, it's to belong, it's to find security, it's to find hope. I hope that can sustain us even as our bodies start to fail, even as our world shrinks to a little room, even as we draw near the end. This bed that I'm lying in, this is not my home, this is not where I belong. That coffin where my body lies, well, I'm not even there because my life is hid with Christ in God. And in God's eternal timing, I wait for my resurrection body and I wait for my place in God's new heavens and new earth, the home of righteousness and peace where there is no more tears or crying or pain. Paul writes to the Philippians, he's probably in prison in Rome. And he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yeah, what shall I choose? I don't know. Like, actually, death is better. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ in my eternal body, in my eternal home, which is better by far. Free from this world of sin and frustration. Because that's where I belong. And I really want to belong at home with my God. Perhaps Jesus says this best in John chapter 17. Where is our hope? What is eternal life? Now, this is eternal life, says Jesus, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Messiah, whom you have sent. That is eternal life, to know God, to be forgiven, to be reconciled, to belong See, we have been saved to belong in relationships, in community, gathered around the conquering King Jesus who gave his life to call us into relationship with himself, to give us joy that never ends. When you get to the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, there are all these powerful images of new creation and eternity. And I can't tell you what exactly what it will be like. But I can tell you these things. Our eternal life will be bodily. We will be embodied because we, Jesus was embodied in his resurrection. I will be me and you will be you and we will be humans, bodied people and eternity will be personal it will be relational we will know those who are there and love those who are there and enjoy those who are there and praise God I'm going to be enjoying the vast majority of you forever I believe 
That's good news. Yet without sin, all those stupid things we do to hurt one another. Sorry? Sure. Sure, I would just, the simple answer, apart from the fact if I go to, say, Revelation, if I go to the end of Revelation, there's lots of stuff about they will know God and they'll be together and the the gathered people of God. But I would just say in simple terms, when Jesus is resurrected, he is personal and relational. He eats and drinks with his disciples and he is the model for our eternal life. It is. No, no, no. It's so, so important. It's so important to what we understand as believers. It's so important to know that our eternity will be personal and relational and physical as best as we can understand physicality, although it'll be a new heavens and a new earth, and it won't be the same as it is now. And I can't tell you the details beyond that. Thank you. Let me just go to the end of Revelation. Oh, here we are, eternal church. It's going to be eternal church. Which kind of sounds scary when you look at humble Pano Baps on a Sunday night, but it's going to be good, perfect, eternal church. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea, there's no longer any chaos, there's no longer any insecurity. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for a husband. That is God's people. That is church. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. God's there with us, face to face. And he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death. And there won't be any more mourning. And there's going to be no crying. And there's going to be no pain for the old order. It's done with. Eternal life is to know God and Jesus Christ. It's to be saved from the futility and the separation of this world and from sin that we might share an immortal life with Jesus, world without end. And I cannot even comprehend that, that phrase. But that is the promise of the Bible. And it's so important to how we live today. You cannot be too heavenly minded because it impacts I tell you, Oscar Muria, I've heard him speak, I've heard his stories. He seems, as best I can tell, to be a very heavenly-minded man. He's committed his life to believing Jesus. Arthur Stace, the eternity man, there's the 2,000 fireworks sign. He spent 35 years, he was alcoholic. His sister was a prostitute, he used to run protection for his sister. Went to the war, drank himself to death, heard about Jesus and his life was changed in an Anglican church on Broadway. Started attending a Baptist church, um, Burton Street Baptist Church up near Darlinghurst. For 35 years, he walked around our city writing those words mostly on footpaths, but in other places as well. 
in that beautiful script you see on that harbour bridge. Just the same way. He was almost illiterate. He heard, the reason he did that is he heard a famous Baptist evangelism named John Ridley say, Eternity, eternity, I wish I could sound that or shout that word to everyone on the streets of Sydney. You've got to meet it. Where will you spend eternity? And he, he said in an interview later, he said, Eternity went ringing through my brain and suddenly I began crying and felt a powerful call from God, from the Lord, to write eternity, even though I could hardly write my own name. So from about 32 to 67, he'd get up early and walk the streets of our city riding on the footpaths, just like that. And people were familiar with it because it was all over the city and then the rain had washed it away and it had turned up somewhere else. Who is this strange man? People didn't know. He says, I tried to change it. I tried to write obey God once and then I tried to change it to God or sin, but it just wouldn't come out. So back to writing eternity. That is the story of our city. That's one of the iconic things. Year 2000, one of the first New Year's Eve events flashed all over the world, Arthur Stace's eternity. Oh, I wish that it could be written on our hearts. Eternity. We belong for eternity because we know and love and have been forgiven by the eternal God. And we will be with him, those who trust Jesus, forever, world without end. That is a life-changing hope. That is something that's worth belonging to and finding our place in the family of God. Let me pray. Father God, write those words, write these thoughts on our hearts that we might pursue you and belong with you for eternity. Amen.